everybody, and welcome back to episode 28 of the Sunset Single Player Podcast. As always, it's Michael, your host. I really hope everyone had a great holiday and celebrated the new year the best they could despite everything going on. And I celebrated personally by hanging out and drinking some dogfish head beer and just relaxing with family. I did recently try a new dogfish head stout called the Campfire Amplifier, and I've always really liked dogfish head beer. And when I lived in Wilmington, Delaware for two years prior to moving back to Pittsburgh, I did visit this brewery twice and they're always cooking up new types of beer there and I've never actually had this type before but the campfire amplifier is a fantastic name for a beer and I'm happy to say it didn't disappoint it's a really good stout I found in the store and ended up going with this holiday and besides that I started exercising again more doing some home workouts with a lot of body weight stuff that has been tiring but good for me to do like I said last week and probably like everyone I have the goal of exercising more in the new year I do want to keep the running up as well I did get a new pair of running shoes that I'm excited to break in. And I'm also happy to announce that I did release two new videos by the time this episode goes live. And the first one that I also mentioned last week is my video review on PS5 for Miles Morales on my new YouTube channel that I did link to the episode today if you'd like to check it out if you haven't seen it already. And I'd really appreciate if you guys could subscribe to the channel as well. I do have a lot of big plans for that channel and some good PlayStation related content that I want to roll out pretty soon here. And I'd also really appreciate if you would check out my brand new video as well that will be live by the time this episode is published on Tuesday. And this new video is all about my video review for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Pretty much just goes over my time with the game on PS5 and my critique of it. So if you guys could also like these videos and comment something that you think I did well or could improve upon, I'd really appreciate that too. I did work hard on both of these videos and had a lot of fun doing them. And I do want to strive to improve the quality of the videos over time. And just like podcast recording and editing was new to me earlier this year, video editing is new to me as well. So I do really hope you guys like these videos. I definitely have a few new ideas up my sleeve coming soon that I really think you'll enjoy. And a couple of new videos are early in the works. And that gets me into my next point, which is that while I am really enjoying making these videos, they do take some extra time for me to do. And I do think it is a really fun way for me to diversify my content I put out in addition to the weekly podcast. So I really hope that you guys take the time to check it out. I'd really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy them. And again, I just want to mention at the top, if you like the show, definitely please leave five star ratings and reviews and tell a friend about the show as well to help it grow. And remember, you can also support the show on Patreon starting now at just $1 per month for two day early and ad free access to each episode. And then for just a dollar more, two bucks a month, you get a question or comment right on the show each week if you're into that. And I would really appreciate the support. And I do think it'll be a lot of fun to see what some of you out there think about everything we cover but i understand that times are tough and if you can't make that happen or maybe you just don't want to that's completely cool as well i really appreciate you checking the show out on free feeds as well so at this time of the year the very beginning of 2021 there really hasn't been much at all in terms of news in the industry so i imagine the show might be a little bit shorter this week and also future weeks until things start to pick back up a bit more. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of new news related to Cyberpunk 2077 and its various updates and its next-gen versions and everything like that. I also do anticipate a Last of Us Part 2 patch coming in soon, hopefully in the next like month or two. That'll be awesome. But besides that, we're just going to have to wait and see what big news items are upcoming. I also want to mention that despite some news going around that Xbox has no games yet for next-gen, I do have to strongly disagree with that. And again, 
again, don't call me a hypocrite. I mean, I don't plan on getting a next-gen Xbox right now, but I imagine by the time Halo Infinite comes out, I may think about shopping. And I've heard really good things about a first-person puzzle game exclusive to Xbox called Call of the Sea. So this game is developed by Out of the Blue Studios in Madrid, Spain, and published by Raw Fury out of Sweden. And this game, which came out actually less than a month ago, I think it came out around December 8th or 9th, something like that. It's been received very well, and I have to say that I do really like the art style and the puzzle mechanics in this one, just based on a few gameplay clips I've seen, just a few minutes I've seen of this game. And it has also been praised for its story and its island setting. So if anyone's snagged a next-gen Xbox, I do think this is a good one to check out if you're looking for something new to play. It does seem to be a shorter five to six hour game, which I really like. I think I mentioned in the past, I really do appreciate and like short games of a high quality. And I even do get Bioshock vibes from the setting, which is really cool. I wasn't expecting that. It looks like there's some underwater sections that really do remind me of Rapture, which is awesome. On the Xbox side of things, I also want to mention that The Medium comes out at the end of January. And I know I've covered that game a little bit in the past and talked about it. And this one will not be coming to PlayStation. And The Medium is a psychological horror game coming from the Polish developer Bloober Team. And I'm definitely excited to check this one out since I like this horror genre. And I think it's cool that I'm waiting for an Xbox. It would be great to have quite a few games to dive into for the first time once I bite the bullet instead of just like Halo. Once I do get the next-gen Xbox and hop on that Xbox Game Pass train. And there is a lot of value there. I do also want to play Gears 5 as I've heard it looks and plays really, really well on the Xbox Series X. So while for a while now, a lot of my coverage and YouTube videos have been PlayStation focused, I imagine it will shift a bit more to be a little bit more balanced at some point in 2021 once I do get a next-gen Xbox. I imagine I'll get one at some point this year. And I think it'll be good to cover the other platforms since there are games on it that won't be coming to PlayStation like the Medium and Call of the Sea and Halo Infinite, contrary to what some people currently believe in that they say that Xbox doesn't have a lot of games. And in terms of what I've been playing, I did beat Super Mario Galaxy. I have about 96 stars, so about 24 stars short of 100% completion. And I did forget that a good amount of the remaining stars in the game are just kind of collect-a-thons with purple coins. So I do think I'm going to be done with this game, at least for now. I really do love Mario Galaxy. And you can listen to last week's episode, if you haven't already, to hear my thoughts on this game. And I was a bit disappointed at how easy Bowser was at the end, though. They didn't need to make it like Demon Souls or anything like that, but they could have at least made it a bit more challenging. I basically killed him on my very first try without taking any damage. And that does get me into the main big topic today where I did take some damage. And this topic that I do want to go over today, it's very exciting, is all about the Demon Souls remake. I did take the plunge and get this game. And I have to say, this is just a crazy game to start the year with. And before I do get into this remake, I do want to say that around this time last year is when I played through Sekiro. So maybe I have a new trend going for hard games in the winter time. I did really enjoy staying in from the cold and playing that tough game last year. And now I'm repeating almost exactly a year later the same thing with the Demon Souls remake. So I don't want to make this an annual trend yet for sure in the winter, but two in a row might not just be a coincidence. So I did pay $70 plus tax from Best Buy for this game on PS5. And this is one I did want to have on disc as opposed to digitally since it was one of the first games I've played on PS5. And I think it would be a cool one to have in the collection a few years down the line. And let me just say before we get into the game's back, and my thoughts on it, I do think I definitely made the right decision in picking this one up and waiting on Cyberpunk as opposed to jumping right into Cyberpunk right away. So after beating Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I really thought that Cyberpunk might be my next big game. But after seeing the rough launch and the bugs, I really just want to be patient with it and wait it out. I do think that the PS5 upgrade and PS5 version in general will be ready 
to go starting in like February or hopefully March at the latest. And I'd rather just play the best looking and running version of that game that is available to me without splurging for a super expensive PC for just one game. So I do think that Demon's Souls is a great game to keep me busy while I wait. And if I do end up having what it takes to get through this tough game before the Cyberpunk patch is ready to go for PS5, I imagine Sackboy Big Adventure would be the next new game I'd get into after Demon's Souls before Cyberpunk. So before we get into the Demon's Souls remake, I do think it's important to touch on the original game since it really is the game that started the entire Souls genre. So the original Demon's Souls was developed by the Japanese company From Software and published by Sony in Japan. And this Japanese release occurred in February of 2009, but the game was actually released eight months later, roughly in October of 2009, but was not published by Sony and was actually published by Atlas in North America. And then I believe the rest of the world got the game in June of 2010, and this release was published by Bandai Namco. So three different publishers for the same game, depending on where you are in the world, which is really interesting. I don't know if I can think off the top of my head of any additional examples like this. So what's really interesting to me is that Sony didn't have a lot of faith in this game, at least in North America. So they thought that the hard difficulty would not be popular and do well in the United States, especially So they didn't even publish it here. And that's where Atlas came in. So From Software is not a Sony first party studio, of course, and their Dark Souls games and Sekiro game were all multi-platform. However, From Software is known to work in a second party relationship to Sony, as we've seen through Demon's Souls and also most recently Bloodborne. And just to clarify for you guys again, because this can get a little bit confusing, a first party studio is a studio that is owned entirely by Sony, in this case like Naughty Dog, Santa Monica, Sucker Punch, Insomniac, studios like that. So The Last of Us, God of War, and Ghost of Tsushima are all first party games owned by Sony. And then a second party studio, or in this case, a second party exclusive, like the Demon's Souls remake, is a game that is not owned by Sony. So instead of Sony owning the team, they publish the game in what's called a second party relationship. So in these scenarios, Sony acts as the entity that funds the game and works alongside the developer in a publishing capacity to make sure it's funded properly and ready to go for release. Sony also in this case would handle most of the marketing for second party games. Then finally, there's also third party exclusives which exist. And this is basically where a developer only releases their game on one platform, but the game is not published by that platform's owner. So a good example of this would be Persona 5. So this game is only available on PlayStation, but Sony did not publish it, Atlas published it, at least in North America. I'm not sure about the rest of the world. So hopefully I simplified that a bit for you all. It can get a little bit convoluted. Also a quick side note before we get into Demon's Souls, I have heard Persona 5 Royal especially is an incredible game, but it's just so long. It's like 150 hours. I don't want to spend that long with any game ever. I don't think I'd ever want to spend 150 hours with anything, no matter how good it is. But for all the weebs out there that like it, I'm very happy for you. And I say that in jest as a joke. I don't care what game anyone plays. Don't take it personally. If you love Persona 5, I'm happy for you. So now that that's cleared up and hopefully you guys understand the publishing relationship and the differences between a first party, a second party, and a third party exclusive, we can talk about the game. So the original Demon's Souls was considered very hard and even though Sony didn't publish the game in North America for fear that people would not enjoy it, the game was actually way more successful in North America than it was in Japan, which really showed how wrong Sony actually was at the time about this title. And I still do wonder to this day if From Software is a studio that Sony regrets they didn't 
purchase back in the day. And obviously the value of From Software was way lower back then before they've released all these games and before they've gained such a cult-like following through not only Demon Souls, but also the Dark Souls games, Bloodborne, and most recently Sekiro, then also through the upcoming game Elden Ring, which we still don't know a lot about. Another quick side note for Elden Ring, we do know that George R.R. Martin, the longtime author of A Song of Ice and Fire, is heavily involved in this game. So while I don't think we'll necessarily see the Game of Thrones characters we know from the books and show, I still think we could. So at this point, I think From Software might be too expensive for Sony to consider purchasing. And if I had to guess, Elden Ring will be multi-platform, just like the Dark Souls games and Sekiro have been before it. In fact, I think it may have already been confirmed that Elden Ring will be multi-platform. So interestingly, this Demon's Souls remake was not developed by From Software, but was developed by Bluepoint Games. And like I mentioned, the Demon's Souls remake, just like the original, is a second party game to Sony, just through a different developer. And Bluepoint Games is based in Austin, Texas, and they're yet another studio that it's not only a rumor to be in the cards to be purchased by Sony to become first party from second party, but a studio that I think makes a ton of sense for Sony to buy personally. So if you guys don't know a lot about Bluepoint, Bluepoint is the master of remasters and the master of remakes. Besides their very first game that they made called Blast Factor, which was released on PS3 in 2006, all games Bluepoint has made since then have either been remasters, ports, or remakes. And their most impressive remaster, in my opinion, has been the Uncharted trilogy, so Drake's Fortune, Among Thieves, and Drake's Deception. I did revisit these games through the remaster on PS4 multiple times because they are some of my really nostalgic favorite games from back when I was in like middle school and early high school, and I have to say they do hold up really well. Although I do have to say that for some reason, Uncharted 2 Remastered on PS4 is just a bit glitchier and buggier than the others from my personal experience. I have no idea why, but overall, besides this slight issue, the quality of these games is really, really good. And I do think that Bluepoint greatly retained Naughty Dog's original vision and really solid gameplay for the PlayStation 4 with much better visuals as well. So remake-wise, they did do the Shadow of the Colossus remake, which came out in 2018 that I played last year and really enjoyed. And this is a weird game that definitely isn't for everyone, but I thought they did an amazing job with it. At this point, we now have the Demon's Souls remake for PS5. I do think that they make a lot of sense for Sony to buy because of how good they are at retaining and recreating past classics. And I think they would be a great team for Sony to own because Sony could then control what they want the team to pump out. They could scale the team. They could increase hiring if they want additional games. And having a team like this in the PlayStation family would really allow them to keep up this great remaster and remake work while allowing their first party teams that originally made these games to work on new projects. So for example, the second party relationship with Bluepoint for the Uncharted collection on PS4 freed up Naughty Dog's time to work on The Last of Us 2 rather than having some of Naughty Dog's team members being busy with these projects of remastering old games. I just think it makes a whole lot of sense. And if they were to purchase them outright, to become a first party studio, then they wouldn't have to enter into new separate second party agreements for each game that they would want to be released on their PlayStation platforms. And finally, before we get into the game, I do want to say that there is a rumor that Bluepoint is now working on a Metal Gear Solid 1 remake now that the Demon's Souls remake is out. So I do think this would be a really big get for Sony to purchase Bluepoint and then have the PS5 be the only place people could play this rumored remake if it does in fact exist. And of course, we'll keep our eye on this and any more news related to Bluepoint 
and I'll fill you guys in in the future. But for now, finally, sorry about that long-winded intro. Hopefully it was informative, or at least part of it was informative for you guys. But at this point, I do want to talk about the Demon's Souls remake. So again, the game was developed by Bluepoint and is a direct remake of the PS3 game. And it is important to remember here that Japan Studio also assisted Bluepoint, which makes a whole lot of sense to me because Japan Studio also assisted from software in the creation and co-production of Bloodborne. So they definitely have talent over there, Japan Studio, that understands this genre of Souls games and this combat and this design philosophy. We know that Japan Studio is made up of a few various divisions and most recently they pumped out the really solid Astro's Playroom free PS5 bundled in-game and this was developed by a Sobi team which is a division of Japan Studio but you also know Japan Studio for their big prior releases like Shadow of the Colossus and The Last Guardian among some other games. So the Demon Souls remake was definitely a huge exclusive launch title for PS5 on November 12th 2020 and while it is an exclusive, I do just want to reiterate one more time, it's not a first party exclusive like Miles Morales was that launched alongside it. And again, this is because Sony owns Insomniac, but they don't own Bluepoint games or From Software. So far in my time with the Demon's Souls remake, I'm probably about 10 to 12 hours in, and I have to say the first four to five hours were definitely non-productive for me in this playthrough. I kind of just ran around for a while in the first open area in the game, trying to get used to the combat and this different style of play. This game is definitely a lot different from Sekiro, which is the only From game I've beaten and the one I have the most experience with, having completed it about a year ago in January of 2020. So right out of the gate in Demon Souls, we get to create our own character and choose our own character class. And I think there's about 20 total classes. Personally, I went with the Knight class since I read this was a good class for first time players of the game without cheesing by going the royalty class route. So I read that by choosing royalty, you can spam magic attacks and make the game a lot easier, but I didn't want to take the easy route. Route, I wanted to focus on building my knight up and hopefully eventually getting skilled enough to make my way through this game. In addition to choosing your class, you also get to choose a starting item. I went with the providential ring, I think it's called, and the reason I went with this item over other choices is because apparently it raises your luck in item drops. So whenever you kill smaller enemies in the world of Demon Souls, they can drop healing items and other useful items that can help in combat that will go over shortly. So once your character is made, you'll learn that Boletaria, which is the kingdom setting of the game has been taken over by a being called the Old One, and Boletaria was pretty much taken over by fog from the Old One, and demons now plague the land spread out among various levels in the game. And there is a major area in this game called the Nexus, and the Nexus is basically a massive church or monastery that has a really cool gothic vibe that actually reminded me of Bloodborne a lot. And this is where you can store your items, your weapons, and your equipment. You can purchase repairs for weapons and equipment after they inevitably get damaged in combat. You can buy healing items and primary or secondary types of weapons. And most importantly, this is the area where you can level up your character's soul level and weapon level to get stronger in the game. And this is something you'll have to make a priority, something I learned very quickly. So Demon Souls does not hold your hand at all. And even though there are various levels in the game on archstones that you can complete by making your way through and fighting each area's boss, the game doesn't even tell you the order you should do this in. And it sounds like each archstone has three levels built in. And so far I've beaten the first two bosses in the game and we'll get into these bosses a little bit later. So there is some confusion because apparently it makes more sense to do 2-1 before 1-3 or 4-1 before 3-1. So while the game is kind of linear and that there are 
separate levels that you can clear. Unlike something like Sekiro, which is less linear, it isn't an easy straight line path due to not really knowing the right order to go in. And if you don't want to look up the right order to complete the levels in online, you kind of have to try different levels out until you see where you're adequately leveled to proceed, if that makes sense. And again, I should mention there isn't one direct correct route to go through the game, but there's definitely routes that make it a whole lot easier. So this can be a bit frustrating, not really knowing where to go or where to go next after clearing a level. But again, you can just look it up online if you're not sure. And these games aren't supposed to be a cakewalk. You're supposed to struggle. And this might sound crazy, but for me, that's definitely part of the fun. And nothing beats taking down a boss in a game like this. After taking down the first two bosses, I had great feelings of accomplishment just like each time I took down a Sekiro boss around this time last year. It's also way less frustrating now when you die due to the short loading times in the game. So whereas on Sekiro on PS4, I'd have to wait a while after death and a loading screen, this remake basically puts you right back into the game immediately. And that's not to say that there isn't frustration when you die though, because so far one of the bosses I needed to fight had a fairly long route back to get to him. And there are a lot of tough enemies to kill first before you can make your way back to retry a boss fight. It's kind of funny though, and I don't really know what it is, I just haven't really gotten that frustrated yet. And I think if I had to pinpoint one reason why that is, it's just because of how incredible the combat and gameplay is in this game. But before we get into this combat loop and my best explanation of it, I do want to talk about the game's visuals and the game's performance. And keep in mind, this is my first time playing this game, so I'm not a Demon Souls veteran. However, I do think that after messing around for a few hours in the game and completing the first two areas and bosses, I have a pretty good understanding of the gameplay loop and progression system in the game. But first, like I said, I do want to talk about the visuals and the performance. There are options for how you want to experience this one. And personally, I'm playing in the performance mode option, which runs at a 1440p resolution. And this mode also runs at 60 frames per second. The other option is a resolution mode at 4k fidelity instead of 1440p and runs at 30 frames per second. And just like how I discussed in my Miles Morales review, I do think that the performance mode is the way to go. Having that boosted frame rate definitely makes the combat a lot smoother and the game still looks really damn good at 1440p resolution. And visually, the Kingdom of Boletaria is really cool looking. There's these massive blue and white castle walls and dragons breathing really realistic hot red fire. There's really detailed enemy and boss designs that we'll get into shortly. And the game just looks really awesome on PS5. If you look at a direct shot to shot comparison with the PS3 version of the game, it's obviously no contest. And the loading screens, like I mentioned, are very, very short, probably just a few seconds longer than the virtually no loading time in Miles Morales on PS5, and this lack of loading really immerses you in the game when you barely have to wait after you die to be thrown back into it, and you will die a good amount if you're new to it like I am. I've also barely noticed any bugs, if any, and this game is so polished so far. Every time I die, I don't get mad at the game, I get mad at myself. I never feel like a death is bugged or cheap, at least so far. I know that later on in the game, there is supposed to be a really infuriating boss that's a bit cheap that I've heard of, but for now, I know that if I miss a perfect parry or a dodge and I die, it's on me and my reflexes and not the game. And this definitely makes me less frustrated than it would if I died as a result of inconsistencies or bugs in the combat within the game itself. So there's really, really amazing performance and just a really striking visual fidelity in this game. But at this point in time, I do want to get into the combat system and also just the overall gameplay system. And I imagine one of my next YouTube videos will be gameplay with commentary for this game. So you guys can really see how
how good it looks then. But for now, let's just talk about this precise, unforgiving, and really addicting gameplay loop, which is what makes me want to progress and really makes me stop and think about this game when I'm doing other things while not playing it. And this is really what I think makes this game so special so far to me, guys. It really makes you want to play it when you're not playing it. So when I booted the game up after the first brief introductory level in the game, I started in level 1-1, and this level is called the Gates of Boletaria. So 1-1 is a pretty big open level where you can learn the game's combat mechanics, take down smaller enemies, and also some larger non-boss enemies to grind for what's called souls and then also items. So basically your goal as the player in Demon Souls Remake is to level up your character by obtaining souls so that you can get stronger and make your way through each level to rid the world of demons and demon bosses, which are the big bad boys. You obtain souls from killing enemies in the game, and the crazy thing is, and something that I think this game started before any other game, and I could be wrong about that, but I think I'm right, is that if you die, your souls go to zero. So for example, say I kill 10 small enemies who each automatically give me about 20 souls each. So now I have 200 souls. And if I die, this amount goes to zero. But, and this is a big but, you can go back to the spot you died and reclaim your souls while also adding additional souls by the enemies you take out on the way to retrieve your lost souls. So in the same example, if I kill the same 10 guys on my way to get the 200 souls I lost when I died and then kill the 11th guy that killed me the last time, and this guy drops 50 souls, souls, once I retrieve my lost souls on the ground where I died, I'll now have 450 souls. And at this point, after you grind out more small enemy kills and you're ready to go, you can head back to the Nexus, which is the home base monastery in the game, to cash these souls in to help improve your soul level so you can upgrade your overall soul level, or you can use the souls as currency to buy weapons, repair equipment, or buy items. So souls are very important to the game, and without them, none of this would be possible to help you progress. And this is really similar to how Hollow Knight was actually so whenever you would die in that game you'd have to go back to where you died the same spot and get your souls in that game or whatever they were called I don't remember the exact term for the the soul like leveling portion of that game so it's really cool for me now to play the demon souls remake after playing hollow knight which heavily borrowed from this mechanic and like I said I do think this mechanic did come from demon souls I think this is where it all started so it definitely helped me understand this factor in the game much more quickly than if I had not played hollow knight which I think is really interesting so currently I'm a soul level 26, which I should also say your soul level is the same as your overall level in the game. And I read online that the next boss for me to take on, so the third boss has a recommended power level of between 25 and 30. So I think once I hit around 30 after grinding out some more areas to get some more items and upgrade my sword and my level a bit more, I'll get going on the third boss. And I also want to mention that the higher your soul level gets, the more souls are needed to upgrade to the next level. So for example, going from level five to level six at the beginning of the game only cost me about 700 souls, but now for me to go from 26 to 27, I need about 4,000 souls. So this creates the need for a lot more grinding and a lot more of taking down the smaller demons to build up that soul count. I should also mention that when upgrading your soul level, you actually choose an area for your upgrade to be focused in on. So my night build has been entirely focused on upgrades to strength, endurance, and vitality, which is your overall health bar. And I am trying to make my knight as fast and as strong as I can. It's also important to note that there is what's called an equipment burden in the game. And as a knight, you can become guilty of this without even realizing it. And luckily, I did read about this on Reddit, which really helped me out. And apparently, when you're really heavy and you wear a lot of armor, you do what's called fat rolling and this is when your armor and weapons weigh you down too much and you become much slower you move slower you roll slower 
So I actually took my armored pants off and instead now just have body armor on the top half of my character. So now I don't have pants or leg armor and I move much more quickly, although my character does look a bit ridiculous. But really, what do I need pants for if I can roll like six times in quick succession and become way more mobile? I want to mention that you can use what are called shards in conjunction with souls to upgrade your main primary weapons. So my knight's primary weapon is a longsword, I think it's called, and then I also use a knight shield that's really great for parrying. And I'm working on on upgrading the shit out of this sword by grinding for these hardstone shards and level 1-1 by killing these ugly enemies we'll get into a bit later. I think it's also important to keep in mind, like I mentioned earlier, that your weapons and armor can become damaged. It's important to talk to the blacksmith and the nexus, and again, the nexus is that monastery kind of home base when this happens, so that the blacksmith can help you repair your weapons, otherwise you'll be at a big disadvantage. But then there is also one cool item in the game called sharpening stones, I think they're called that allow you to partially repair your weapon on the fly without going back to the Nexus, which actually saved my ass in a boss fight. So my weapon did break in the middle of a fight and I did use this item to repair my sword to actually beat the boss rather than likely die and have to head back to the Nexus. All right, so I know that's a lot of information there. Hopefully some of that clicked with you guys. I'm hoping I explained it well. I think I did, but hopefully if you are interested in trying the game out, I helped clarify a few things. I definitely could have used a few tips when I first started so that I didn't just wander around aimlessly for a couple hours while learning what the hell I was even doing in this game. But at this point, I do want to talk about what I think is the main strength of the game, which isn't the visual fidelity, it's not the performance, it's not the lack of bugs. The main strength of this game lies in the brutal, precise, and very addicting combat. So in level 1-1, you mostly fight these little zombie guys that kind of look like White Walkers from Game of Thrones, and you can slice them up, but also have to be aware of their erratic and fast attack patterns. So in this game, you have the option of playing it in a few different ways. You can play it like Sekiro with a big emphasis on blocking and parrying, or you can dodge and evade more like the playstyle in Bloodborne. Or like me, you can do a combination of both depending on who you're actually fighting. So whenever certain enemies have slower, longer sword strikes to try to attack me, I found that parrying works a lot better. And this is basically like a perfect parry in Ghost of Tsushima. You have to click L2 with your shield equipped at the last possible second before you're struck to get a parry in. And when you do get it right, nothing beats this feeling. There's really amazing parry death animations where my knight will beautifully parry stronger enemies in their sword swipes to knock them back. And then I'll slide my sword directly into their heart. And it's really brutal and satisfying to pull off. Although getting the timing down does take a lot of practice. And I still mess up these perfect parries from time to time, even after practicing them over and over again as I grind for souls and items and materials. On the flip side of things, whenever enemies have faster or more erratic attack patterns, I like to dodge and evade, especially once I figure out that once I lessened my armor and my equipment burden, I could be much faster when I wasn't fat rolling. And then blocking is also key to Demon Souls combat, and by holding L1, you can put your shield up to block enemy attacks. There's also bows and arrows in the game, but I haven't dabbled with these too much yet. And the combat in the game is further improved by various items. The two standout items to me so far in my playthrough as a knight have been pine resin and fire bombs. Pine resin is kind of this like orange red substance that allows you to coat your sword in fire. So think way of the flame from Ghost of Tsushima or the fire sword skill from Assassin's Creed Valhalla. This pine resin is really awesome and it definitely packs a punch, especially against these pain in the ass wolves that are found in level 1-2 that we'll get into in a little bit. And fire bombs are exactly what they sound like. They're basically like Molotov cocktails or fire grenades that are very effective against pretty much everyone I've come across so far, as long as you don't throw it directly into an enemy's shield. 
shield. Level 1-1 also has these really cool looking knight captain looking guys that are really strong. They have swords and spears that do a ton of damage, and I found that dodging and getting around them for backstabs works really well. Typically, though, I go for that perfect parry against these guys just because of how cool it is when you get it right and pull it off. And it's great to grind against these guys. They do give off a lot of souls, which is great for upgrades. So once you do down an enemy, in addition to getting souls, you also can pick up various items. So crescent leaves and half moon leaves, I think they're called, and I think there's one called like late leaves, late moon leaves or something. These are items that heal some of your health and stocking up on these is super important if you want a better chance at succeeding in boss fights and also just normal tough encounters in general since you are going to take a lot of damage. Enemies also will drop pine resin, fire bombs, and other items that can stop the bleeding. You can also purchase these items by using your souls in the nexus and also from merchants that are hidden that you must find in each level that you'll eventually find just from exploring each area. I think it's also important to touch on the fact that most of the game is played in what's called souls form. So in souls form, your character does not look like a solid physical person, but you're kind of ghostly and hollow. And in souls form, your health bar is is actually cut in half and this sounds really harsh and like it sucks but it's actually not that big of a deal so hear me out sometimes tough enemies can one shot you but it isn't that common and if you do have a lot of leaves and other healing items stocked up if you take damage you can just heal but whenever you kill an area's boss you get back into what is called human form I think it's called and here you have your full entire health bar until you die next which of course won't be long again because you're going to die a good amount in this game so most of your time spent in Demon Souls remake is going to to be going through these areas again and again, practicing the combat systems, collecting items to help you, and of course, earning souls so that you can go back to the Nexus and get stronger through soul level and weapon upgrades. And once you're stronger and ready to go, you can take on a levels boss and oh man, do I think the boss designs so far in this game are phenomenal. So at this point, I am going to spoil the first boss I took down in the Demon Souls remake. So if you don't want it spoiled, I'd really say stop listening here for now. But if you don't mind, let's get right into it. And after this, I'll go into my time in level 1-2, the second level I went through that concluded in the second boss in the game I took down. So the first boss demon in the game that you'll defeat is called Phalanx. It's spelled P-H-A-L-A-N-X. And this monstrosity is found in a massive hall that basically separates level 1-1 from level 1-2. And the Phalanx is a disgusting blob of black and purple muck essentially with additional smaller blobs of muck protecting it and these smaller blobs are a pain in the ass they throw spears at you that you really have to be careful to evade and I think I was about a soul level 10 when I took it down so it's definitely the first boss that I would recommend fighting and I do also recommend that you head in with plenty of healing items because these smaller blobs will crush you with these seemingly heat seeking spear tosses and two more items I think are absolutely essential for this fight are fire bombs and pine resin since the phalanx is weak to fire so my strategy was to keep my distance at first and chuck a bunch of fire bombs at it head on to destroy the smaller spear blobs protecting it and once these blobs are dissolved i rushed in with my sword on fire from pine resin and hacked away at its grotesque core and the fire sword attacks do a ton of damage but you have to be careful not to be too too aggressive because again these smaller blobs can ruin your day and once you do get enough fire attacks in you'll vanquish this piece of crap and i do have to say whenever you kill a boss and the huge letters demon vanquished show up on your screen it's a great feeling especially since the first boss took me a while to 
to get the hang of. So now that we defeated the Phalanx, this now gets me into level 1-2, which is called the Lord's Path. And if I didn't mention it, I should mention that level 1-1 is called the Gates of Boletaria. But anyways, level 1-2, the Lord's Path is where we head next. And again, this isn't the way you have to go after completing 1-1, but it's where I went anyway. And 1-2 is a shorter level that basically consists of these three large bridges that connect the Gates of Boletaria to the second boss's castle courtyard. And this level kicked my ass for sure. I would say I actually probably had more trouble with the level itself than the boss, which is interesting. And again, this will get a bit spoilery for a bit. So again, if you don't want to hear about the second area and the boss fight in the game, I'd say skip ahead. So not only are there a bunch of soldiers and zombie looking demons on these bridges, but there's also a huge dragon that completely torches each bridge. And I learned this the hard way as soon as I got to level 1-2 and ran across the bridge when I got lit on fire and died immediately. So you'll really have to learn the timing of when the dragon lights the bridges up up all the while dealing with these annoying enemies along the way and there's also a way to avoid one of the bridges by going underground and is it easier though hell no here you'll find wolves that will ruin your day unless you have fire bombs or pine resin ready to go i found that fire was very effective against these really dangerous wolves because they do travel in packs and at the end of the final bridge there's a set of three archers that are a pain in the ass and it's not because they're strong it's because there's two really big strong enemies behind them with powerful shield and sword attacks so my strategy at the end of this final bridge in 1-2 was to quickly slice up the three archers and roll away while the big ones approached me but you have to be careful not to roll back too far or you'll get torched by the dragon on the bridge and there really isn't a lot of room to work with it's definitely a challenging little section before the boss itself and once you take care of these two big guys personally i like to parry them and one hit them in the sick parry kill animation you can enter the fog to the second boss battle in the game and i should mention that fog is oftentimes the entrance to the boss's lair in certain areas and before we get into talking about this boss i do want to say that grinding for souls in this area was a little bit tough 1-2 i should say because in order to make your way back to the nexus from the boss's lair to cash your souls in to level up you do have to cross the three bridges again and for some reason i had a lot more trouble running backwards than i did running forwards at least in terms of avoiding the dragon's fire and it was always annoying if you would almost get back and then you would die and a few times i lost my souls because i was careless and wasn't paying attention and was like maybe on my phone for a second and ran into the fire and lost thousands of souls and progress that was definitely really annoying and something that i want to make sure you guys don't do like i did so after finally doing a lot of grinding and leveling up i fought the second boss at a soul level of about 25 and again this is your last spoiler warning now before we get into the second boss in the game so i'll count down three two, one, if you don't want to hear it. And this big boy is called the Tower Knight. So the Tower Knight takes up almost all of the massive castle courtyard. He has this massive silver armor. And just like his name, this demon absolutely towers over everyone we've seen so far in the game, besides maybe the dragon. He can one hit you with his shield if you aren't careful by just slamming it down on your head. He also has a spear with crazy range that can stab you to death and a staff that launches blue explosions of light at you. So it took me a while to figure out the strategy for this big guy. And to make matters worse, there's about eight archers or so on top of these awnings or platforms in the courtyard, and they can snipe at you. So I found it easiest personally to take them out first. Although if you are looking to get the platinum in the game or go trophy hunting in this game, there is a trophy to 
defeat the Tower Knight without killing the archers. However, I took them out. I know that I'm not going to be going for the plaid in this game, and I thought it would just be too much of a pain in the ass to let them shoot at me during the fight. So after I killed the archers, I really had to keep my distance from this Tower Knight on the ground, again, because of how ridiculous his spear attack ranges, and also because of his devastating shield slam that can kill me in one hit. So the key to this fight is that you do have to get behind this guy and slash away at his ankles, and eventually you'll start to see this blue blood spurt out from the back of his legs. And you can't stay behind him and slash for long though because he will ruin you. You really gotta get in quickly and then get it right out. You gotta roll away fast after getting hits in. And after I got all this excess armor off of me and stopped fat rolling, I think I beat him on like my second try. So being able to roll fast is really, really important. So just make sure that your equipment burden is under 50% so that you can be quick. So after you get these hits in, you do have to roll away quickly. And if he does land a hit on you, he does a ton of damage, so you definitely have to heal quickly, but you have to be smart about when you heal, because if you heal too soon when you're close to him, it's over. And I found it easiest to heal by running up the stairs and catching my breath, but definitely beware of his ranged spear and his blue light projectiles while you're running away to heal. So eventually, after getting enough hits in on his ankles, he'll crash to the ground, and again, once you see he's beginning to fall, be ready, and this is really important, just be ready to roll out of the way, because if he falls on you, it's over he's so heavy. So once he's down, you gotta just hack away at his little head, which is much smaller than the rest of his body, which I think is cool as a design choice and also just kind of funny. And after two or more times of this repeated, just slashing at the ankles, rolling away, knocking him down, slashing at his head, you'll get the final hit in and take him down. So while I was fat rolling, this was a definitely a tough fight for me, but after I shedded that extra armor in my pants, it was definitely a rewarding fight to vanquish this demonic son of a bitch. And you'll get a shit ton of souls for eradicating this guy from Volataria. And it's funny because it wasn't until after I beat this boss fight that I fully realized how beautiful this arena was for a boss fight now that I had the time to breathe and relax. So this green ivy covers these beautiful marble looking blue and white courtyard walls. It was so striking to me and just a really beautiful moment after a really hard fight and I barely even noticed the scenery until he was taken down for good. I'm going to try to head on over to area 2-1 and take on the third boss in the game. But first I do want to grind a bit more and get up to like level 30 and upgrade my sword a couple more times as well so that I can do more damage. So again, these are my very early impressions of the Demon Souls remake. The game is beautiful. It definitely runs nearly flawlessly with no noticeable bugs I've encountered, and it's a really, really brutal game at times. But the combat and gameplay loop is so fun and impressive that I don't mind the difficulty. Plus, when you get over a tough boss or encounter, the reward is huge. You feel as if you're improving every time you play, and it's just such a feeling of accomplishment and relief when you finally beat a boss that's been giving you a really hard time, and I'm excited to keep that feeling up throughout my playthrough. It does seem like every time I boot this game up, it takes me about 30 minutes or so to warm up and get my reflexes right, especially for the parries. It's definitely not something you can pick up and be amazing at right away in each play session, at least for me. It does take me some time to get warmed up and get right into it. And I also want to do briefly touch on the controller. The DualSense is great for this game, and you can definitely feel the haptic feedback. It just feels right to play on this controller. Really, really good controls for this one. But yeah, that's it for me for now. For my impressions on this game, I'm sure I'll have a lot more to say about it the more I play it and the further I get into it, and probably at least a video or two on the game as well on YouTube. 
for you all to look forward to if you're interested. So I do hope you guys enjoyed my very early impressions on this one. I can't wait to keep it up and hopefully beat this game. I am a bit nervous since I heard some later game bosses are super challenging, but for now I'm loving this gameplay loop and this atmosphere and I think I'm starting to get the hang of it. I think the game is really starting to click for me and I can't wait to keep going and slaying these demon bosses. So if you guys want a challenge and just a really addicting and beautiful looking game, I really do recommend the Demon Souls remake. But that'll do it for me for this week, guys. Again, remember, please leave kind five-star ratings and reviews and tell your friends about the show. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Remember, you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash the sunset single player starting at just one buck a month. And also remember to check out my YouTube channel. I did work really hard on these two videos so far, all about Miles Morales and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I did link the YouTube channel and the links to these videos in the description of the episode today. So I hope you guys check it out and enjoy it. Please remember also to subscribe to the channel. I'd really appreciate it over there on YouTube. Thanks so much for stopping by and take care.